Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Religion Rehab Podcast. Today, I am absolutely ecstatic because we're interviewing Dr. David Snyder. David is one of the real titans in the world of NLP, a world-renowned trainer and also a real pioneer in taking this modality and expanding it, broadening the horizons and bringing it to literally thousands of people. So David is a household name in the NLP community and beyond. And in this conversation, we're talking especially about the topic of rebuilding our identity. After we leave a high control group, a toxic religion, the sense of self can be so shaken. It can be so distorted. Our self-esteem can be really low. We can have negative voices in our heads. We can have no concept of our own worth or our own potential for the future. It's a very sad state to be in. Now, David also does a lot of work in helping people to create a strong, confident identity. And we speak at great length about his Identity by Design program. So please do tune in, enjoy this conversation. I had a great time, David, as a a huge, uh, huge influence in this world of NLP and hypnosis that I'm from. So it was, a, it was a great honor to be able to speak with him. I'm very grateful that he took the time to share this information with us. So definitely tune in, enjoy this, take lots of notes, I did. And please do email in any of your favorite points, any questions that you'd like to hear spoken more about. And as always, anyone else you would like to hear interviewed on the podcast, this podcast is here for you. It's here to give you what you want and what you need that will support you and be useful to you in moving forward. So thank you for being here. I really hope you're doing well. And again, enjoy this episode. I had a great time recording it. Thank you for being here. Speak soon. Let me go turn my career. So yeah, there's there's a lot that that can be done, um, and I'm gonna and, I, and again I'm I'll say this now, but I'll say it also when we begin the interview. Um, it's it's a kind of a provocative statement that most people who who come out of a cult mm. uh, are they don't need to worry about a belief system, and the reason is because all belief systems are bullshit. Mm. Okay, they're they're just a set of rules that somebody made up about the way the world is. And that's just another way of saying, this is one man's way of, of making sense of the world. Mm. And the question is, is, is nobody's belief system is right. Nobody's belief system is wrong. The question becomes, does that belief system that you've adopted or have, have had foisted upon you, does it work for you, right? If, if the results you're getting in your life based on the belief system you, you're working from aren't generating the results that you want, you have permission, and this goes back to things Chase is always talking about, you have permission to change it. The problem is we were taught we don't. Mm. You know, that, that permission was, we, we ceded, we didn't know we had permission to begin with, and then we ceded it to an authority figure who said, this is, I know better than you, and if you follow me, we'll, we'll take you to Nirvana, right? And of course, you often wind up in Hades rather than Nirvana. Yeah, um, yeah. But at the end of the day, when we talk about identity, <clears throat> identities are just like suits of clothing. Like you have your favorite sets of clothing that you have, you know, the things that when you, you, you've worn them a long time, they're comfortable, they're natural, they're familiar. And then you have things that you've bought for special occasions. Well, a lot of our identity and a lot of our personality is much the same way, metaphorically. They're just habits of, of, of the way the world's supposed to be or thinking about the way the world's supposed to be or rules, for lack of a better word, um, that we've gotten used to in terms of perception, belief, behavior, things of that nature. And so the, 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 the power and the, the weakness of a belief system is that, the, that they're really just decisions that we made about the way the world is. And the question is, how did we come to, those, to make those decisions? Was it based on evidence? Or was it based on something somebody said from an authority position that we just accepted uncritically and then had it layered and compounded over time? So when people, have these crises of identity, they're lost because what they're looking for is another authority figure to tell them what's true, mm. right? It's just like a confusion induction in hypnosis that you know the, the nervous system can't stand chaos. It, it's looking for anything 
to get it out of that, that emotional or cognitive storm that's going on, right? So we can begin to, you know, rebuild a person's identity, but it starts with a very, very simple question. What do you want instead? Mm-hmm. Because what's interesting about the, the way the nervous system works is if you ask it the right questions, it will give you very useful answers that it's actually willing to do something about. Mm. Uh, kind of like the difference between, and again, this is the closest metaphor I, I can come up with. It's like the difference between a clone, like say, say you, you're, you have a health issue and you need a transplant, right? Like maybe you need a new liver or a kidney or something like that. And you have two choices. You're presented with two choices. You can wait for a donor or they can take some of your cells from your healthy kidney and clone you a brand new kidney, Mm. right? Which one has a higher probability of lasting and being accepted by the body? The cloned, I'd guess. Exactly. There's absolutely no resistance because there's no difference. There's no, there's no perceived invasion or outside force. Can the, can the transplanted organ work? Well, we know for a fact that it can, but you got to do drugs. There's all these resistances and rejections because that that's an alien. It's an outside force that was inserted into the body. Well, when we start to understand the question answering power of the autonomic nervous system, and you ask the right questions, the autonomic nervous system will generate a clone of the, of the solution, for lack of a better Mm. word. And you can use that to rebuild and reintegrate and reorganize your internal structure and personality. Now, does that mean you might not need a few, you know, external pieces of information to make that more clear? Possibly. But one of the things that we've learned through 15 years of therapy and and working with people from everything from, you know, dissociative identity disorder through post-traumatic stress of all kinds, chronic internal illness, is that more often than not, what the neurology generates, the neurology accepts. Mm. And so whenever, whenever I'm teaching my students how to work with people and all the the, the classic techniques don't work. Ask the person, what do you want instead? Right? What do you want instead? And all of a sudden, poof, you'll, you'll start to turn that person, set that person on a path where they begin to construct a new world and a new worldview. Yeah. What if, you know, in, in, in NLP, we talk about this, the power of presupposition, right? And there's a lot of different ways that NLP, and I'm just, and then again, I'm using NLP as a reference. It's not the, it's not by in any stretch the totality of the, the approaches we take, but NLP touches on the, this concept of identity and perspective in many of its techniques, but it never goes really deep into what the foundations of those constructs that we generate. For example, I, I know you have a background in NLP, but I have to assume that a lot of your people don't. Um, we've all heard of things like Gestalt therapy. Or in in classical hypnosis, we talk about chair therapy, right? Um, And in chair therapy, one of the things that happens is you imagine an aspect of yourself or a person who maybe has traumatized you or or wronged you in the past in a chair directly in front of you. And you create this dialogue between the core self and a projection or a part, right? And what's interesting is when the person shifts perspectives, when they, when they, they ask that part a question and then they shift their perspective into that projection, for lack of a better word, of the perpetrator or what have you, the person takes on a completely different set of beliefs and values and perspectives mm-hmm. instantly. Where did those come from? Well, they were encoded and recreated as a consequence of going from a primary experience, in other words, the event that actually happened to a recording of it. So in NLP, we would call all that stuff that's below the surface, a presupposition, right? And so this, this facsimile or this identity that we're, we're talking to in our minds is actually a series of presuppositions and decisions about the way the world is that has a completely, in many cases, a completely different perspective or viewpoint. They're both parts of us, but our neurology has this ability to create parts that interact and talk to each other, which is why chair therapy and gestalt and uh, in NLP, some of the techniques that do that are what they call perceptual positions, where you have the primary person, the person they're mad at, and then you have a third person observing the interaction. Well, each of those spatial perspectives has a set of filters and a set of presuppositions that allow it to process that dialogue and that interaction differently. 
they're all identities. Mm. And they're all built off this, this very dense collection of information that has to be there or constructed in order for the, the, the surface piece to manifest. The core personality, the part that, that represents the perpetrator or, or the problem, and then that meta position, right? So they're all manufactured. In other words, all identities, all belief systems, regardless of where they came from initially, are built the same way by the nervous system. And so once we understand that, we can ask the right questions and the nervous system will give us an alternate identity or an alternate belief system or an alternate view of the world that is what would more of in line with what we want instead it'll have all these things built into it as a role uh, it'll just do it automatically if we ask the right questions and then we can use that as a foundation and a platform to create what we do what we call ego strengthening or build more and more experiences and more and more uh, reinforcements into that that we can begin to customize a new self that we can, we can begin to integrate as our core and operate through the world from that and then make decisions based on, on those perceptions. So would it be accurate to say that an identity is a collection of beliefs and behavioral habits that we identify strongly with and we associate into as, a, as an integrated system? Absolutely, absolutely. Identities are things we build, but they, they start being built at a time when we had no clue that there was even a, that such a, you know, there, if you think about it, just from a, you know, take the spiritual side of things out of it, take the metaphysics out of it, right? And think about points of origin. How does each and every human being start out? Do you have a sense of self as, 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 a, as a, an embryo? You don't. You start out as one, two cells becoming one inside of a host. There is no concept of self. Or, or you can think about it you can, to pull a Bandlerism, you know, Bandler and Grinder used to go back and forth. Well, Grinder used to say, there's no such thing as hypnosis. And Bandler used to say, well, no, that's wrong. Everything is hypnosis. When you're a cell inside of a body, are, do you have a self or is the self the universe that you're part of? Right? Mm. Both are true. There is no distinction between self and other at the embryonic level. That awareness comes later much later after birth and usually about, you know, I would say, and again, I don't have any science to, to back this up. We know from a fact that the conscious mind doesn't really start to develop until about five years old. But so everything, so just say zero to five, everything that happens to you, there's not a lot of distinction between self and other. That's why our, the, the effects of our parents and the, uh, and the effects of our, our immediate superiors, they go right in and become Subselves within a, within a what will eventually become our our core personality. We just take it in because we're learning, and we just um, create these these avatars, for lack of a better word. And then we yeah. will, and the ones that give us the greatest amount of pleasure and safety and comfort are the ones we'll will adapt and integrate more powerfully as as part of our core. Mm -hmm. um, but these are all things that can, under the right circumstances, be changed and modified. The question becomes. What do you want instead? And that's the magic question. If you ask the nervous system, okay, this is what you were taught to believe. This is what you, you know, the way the world was. If God could reach down, hand you the cosmic do-over button, the universal reset switch, you can go back in time and change it all. What would you like instead? Everything's allowed. And sometimes because of the, the lack of permission that a person perceives in having about what they're allowed to think and feel and believe, uh, they've limited themselves. They kind of like have blinders on. And so often mm -hmm. what happens many times when we, we begin to rebuild those senses of self or those, uh, in, uh, this is a lot done in, in terms of releasing traumas and things of that nature. This is where a lot of this comes from. Um, they don't, they don't, they, they're thinking along very narrow lines of what they're allowed to have. So it's always, I always inject a little bit of humor into this idea of, hey, one girl I had, all she wanted was ice cream and hugs. So we gave her a special kind of ice cream. She could eat as much as she wanted for as long as she wanted, never get sick, never lose a tooth, never gain a pound, and all the hugs she could handle. You may have so many little girls who are traumatized want ice cream when they're a little girl. It's really funny. Mm -hmm. right? And then, I, and then I go to the opposite extreme. I said, one guy who was a little older, all he wanted was consecutive dates with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. right? Now, wh why do we do that? A, because when we say everything, they have a very narrow limit or view of what everything is because they're still being guided by that narrowed belief system and the, and the lack of permission. The moment you give them funny examples that are actually true, 
right, that lie outside of that, it frees them to utilize their imagination and fantasize. And, and it, so it expands their capabilities for themselves. And the moment you say, can you imagine what that might be like? All of a sudden, and the, and the magic word there is might. Because if they've never had the experience, they're afraid of getting it wrong. So if you say, if you can, can you imagine what that's like? They'll say, a lot of times they'll say no. But if you can say, can you imagine what that might be like? It gives them the freedom to be wrong and still, and still do it. And so that, that little word changes the, the potential that a person has to create a resolution self or a resolution uh, history or memory, for the case, as the case may be, that can become the, the core point of transformation for them. And then you just build on it. I'm literally about to release a little um, article talking about how we tend to go from being one form of ideologue into another. Mm -hmm. Like we, we leave a cult environment where the entire world and all the beliefs about it, and especially ourselves, that was laid out in stone. And so yeah. we're floundering. Nature hates a vacuum. It's like, well, I'll become another kind of ideologue. I'll sign up for this other rigid set of ideas. And so what you're suggesting, as I interpret it, is giving yourself permission to be in exploration and adventure and discovery mode where you don't have to have all the answers right now, but you can be discovering. Exactly. And, and in, in line with what you're talking about, there's a process, there's a couple of processes that we use therapeutically. One is called the gift. And the gift is um, in, in our Identity by Design program, the gift is the student's introduction to regression therapy. Now, clinically, I've been in cl I've been clinical clinical practice now since 2005, treating physiological illness that is caused by repressed emotion. Uh, and, we, and within that ages, we've treated everything from terminal cancer to all any kind of post-traumatic stress that you can think of, social anxieties. We've had people who have been victims of mind control cults that have been, and sex cults that as a result of what they went through, came out with you know dissociative identity disorder, things of that nature. Now, admittedly, we haven't had that many. Uh, you know, we have a lot. Interestingly, we have a lot more former cult members and are coming into our identity by design program um, mm -hmm. because they see a path to freedom. Uh, we like to call ourselves the uncult, but uh, and and but one of the things that that you see um, after looking into the hearts and minds of, of literally thousands of people over the past 15 years, if you want, you know, just using what I've done in clinical practice. When you pull back the layers, what you see is the same thing. You see a scared little child, terrified of being alone and desperate to be loved. And so when you reach that child, that core child, and you give that child the understanding, they give you give them an actual older version of themselves that knows and understands and can give them that love and acceptance and confidence. They can go through anything. And, and that's a big piece of, of what we're doing, both um, in Identity by Design, where we start with the gift. And then we go into, in, in the second, in second kind of like the advanced classes where we're dealing with deep level traumas and things of that nature, regression therapy, real world trauma resolution. We're doing intense regressive work so people can go back to those formative memories where that, that sense of identity, that sense of self that was vulnerable to those outside influences because it, it claimed to have all the answers. It claimed to offer that acceptance and that unconditional love that every child is so desperate for. We go back and we give it the one person that can deliver that themselves. And when you, res when you restore that to the person, they can go through anything. They can, they can relive all the past experiences from a completely different perspective and come out of it stronger as a byproduct of, of that insertion or that, that, that reunion, for lack of a better word, of an older, wiser, more knowledgeable self that can be absolutely trusted. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll share a little bit of my timeline with you just to put it into context because I, I learned NLP and hypnosis quite a while ago, but I was still in the cult, definitely mm -hmm. mentally. So I was learning it with a view to becoming a better cult member. So it's nice. like personal development within this framework. 
So I was doing all this work and my life was, was not getting that much better. I was still very limited. Right. Over the past couple of years was when I started to realize, hang on a second, there's, there's something amiss here. Right. And that's when this real awakening happened. Um, regarding the question of what do you actually want instead? For a while, I really struggled with that because I knew that was the right question to ask, mm -hmm. but it was... It wasn't even coming up with options that was difficult. It was trusting the options because mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm here at this point in time. I'm a brainwashed ex-cult member. What do I know about what kind of future I should be choosing? How do I know I won't set a goal and do all this stuff to work towards it? And that's going to take me actually further from where I should be mm -hmm. um, as opposed to closer. So would you say that doing, starting with that gift process would heal the necessary things for a person to have a bit more confidence to say, okay, here are the, the next steps for me in the next insert period of time. The gift process would probably be a good intermediate or later stage piece. And the reason I say that is because our personality, and this goes back to the identity by design silo that we teach, um, mm. has distinct pieces to it, right? Uh, one of those is that internal voice, that internal dialogue, which is usually an integration or an internalization of authority figures in our head. And as long as that voice keeps running the program it's been, that's been installed, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make us doubt things. So what we actually teach uh, the person to do, there's actually several things I would do here. One is I would create as rich an avatar of an alternative as possible. So let's say that um, we have somebody who is kind of stuck in an identity. Their, their range of, of what they think is possible for themselves is limited. The first thing I would do is, is expose them to people who have, or, or videos of people, whatever, whatever gives them the greatest degree of safety. And that's going to be a big thing when we start dealing with these, is there's a huge element of terror and fear of the unknown, of making a wrong decision. So we have to establish a resource of safety that inside of them, there is a resource that lets them know, hey, they're safe. They're protected. Everything's going to be okay, right? Uh, and then we, we use that as a way to mitigate any extreme ab reactions or things that might be happening as we're, we're, we're trying to working with these new pieces. One of the things that I want to do is I want to expose them as much as I can to people who have or exemplify different lifestyles that might be more, that, that seem appealing to the person, right? Because you know, yeah, what do you want instead? Well, if all I've ever eaten is, is, is beef livers, you know, uh, and I'm showing a buffet, I think everything's a beef liver. Do I want the raw beef liver? Do I want the medium well beef liver? Do I want the beef liver with onions? You know, what do I want? So we need, we need to kind of give them a little bit of a broader palate and really mm -hmm. kind of let them decide what, which appetizer they'd like to play with first or they'd like to try first. And then start to build a resource in them where they can vicariously uh, experience that with a set, from a sense of safety sense of exploration, right? Um, then we want to change that, that internal dialogue. We want, we want to actually take that voice that's telling them they can't have certain things, they're not allowed to do certain things, they don't deserve certain things, and we want to replace it with a different voice, a voice that they create, a voice that may be, you know, maybe, and again, using, I'm making a lot of assumptions with this, but assuming that there were people that were, were important to them prior to becoming a cult member, people who loved them, who trusted them, who had their very best interests at heart, that they resonated with, we create a voice that is that alternate voice that gives them the very best advice, reminds them that they're always loved, they're always accepted, they're never alone, they're always forgiven for all wrongs, real or imagined. And we build it, we, we, we compound and magnify that voice so it becomes a powerful resource of reassurance and inspiration for them. And then we install that, we replace that old voice with this voice, right? And then what we do, because most of our defense, our psychological defense mechanisms are based largely on our memory. We take this same voice that we've just created and, and, and installed, and we have processes for doing that. We take this voice and we install it prior to their very first memory. So if you're familiar with any of Bruce Lipton's work on epigenetics and things like that, using trance work and things of that nature, we can take this voice, install it before the very first memory, integrate it into the cellular structure, 
so that it becomes almost, almost like a DNA imprint, if you think about it. And then we take them through the, the rebirth process, like one cell becoming two, two cells becoming four, four and each time the, the cells multiply and divide, the voice gets stronger, right? So by the time they're fully formed, there are billions of cells playing this voice throughout their system. Now, as they move through their timeline, their memories, they're going through that whole timeline with a very different set of resources and perspectives that are explaining things to them. And then you move them through that process, having them notice how the memories change as the person going through it is different and this voice guides you, right? And every so often along, along that process, you have them stop, turn around and look at how their, how their life and their memories have changed. And then you, you can bring them back to present. Now this voice is, is integrated to a greater or lesser degree into every memory that they've had. So it's already changing the foundations of their identity, right? And it will continue to grow as they grow, right? And that's where we, that's one of the places, that's like the third step in the seven stage process that we use. I think what I love about this is that it's not deleting memories or creating false memories. Nope. Uh, it's, it's just changing perspective. A lot of people I speak to, they think, I've got this lifetime, maybe decades from birth of being, you know, told that the world's going to end next week and everyone I care about is going to die. And yep. they think, how can you get through that? Or I've got years of indoctrination. I've got all these songs and these scriptures and these chants in my head. Um, how can I delete that? And this is more about how can you shift your internal perspectives, become more resourceful to then reprocess those experiences so they don't need deleting absolutely see a lot i, I used to get this all the time especially when i first started my career so i have this thing i want you to make me forget it yeah well that's that's like saying well i, I have this this hole in my heart i want you to just cut out the hole well there's a whole lot more going on there right um but here's the thing that that again 15 years of change work both out in the field and and clinically here's the one thing i've noticed about true transformation without fail Whenever there's a true resolution of an experience, it always results in a perspective shift on the memory. The emotional mm -hmm. charge is gone. The memory is there, and it, but it no longer has that charge. But the way you think about it, the perspective you take on it radically shifts. And that can happen in seconds. And a lot of times, all it takes is the voice of an authority to come in and explain to the person who didn't know any different at the time what's going on. Think about all for a moment, just think about all the times where you thought you knew what was going on, you had an emotional response, and later on you look back and realize what you thought was happening wasn't, right? The perspective shift because of time. What if you had at each of those moments, someone with the gift of foreknowledge who knew what was about to happen and could tell you what better perspective to take on it and what to do instead as a byproduct of having that knowledge. How would that change things for the person? It changes it dramatically. And so as they, as they move through this timeline, this, this series of memories that are relevant to the experience we're dealing with, those perspectives spontaneously shift and they're a different person. And it opens them up to more possibilities. And because this voice was with them from the very beginning and giving them a better result because it was there, it becomes progressively more trusted as time goes on. And so it can open you up to becoming more explorational, more proof or evidence-based. And, the, and the, at the end of the day, the question becomes, does what's going on make your life better? Does it give you more of what you want or does it not? If the belief system you've been brought up in isn't creating the, the lifestyle or the life direction that you want, you have complete permission to change it. But nobody tells us that because culture in the business of taking permission away, right? Yeah. And so we have, and, but, but a lot of times that very narrow uh, view of reality versus this big one is terrifying. There's so much, there's so much unknown out there so we have to we have to give it something that incrementally opens them up without overwhelming them and so that voice of authority that that voice inside that replaces that old voice that limited them that inspires them reminds them hey you're good enough you're always loved you're always accepted as people move through the world good things are going to happen not so good things are going to happen people are going to come into your life people are going to go out 
People are going to do things you like. People are going to think things you don't like. But no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what life hands you, I will always be there for you to keep you safe, to hold your hand when there's no one else to hold your hand, to give you that hug you need when you need it the most, to remind you about the very best things about you in a voice that you can always trust, a voice that you can always believe, a voice that speaks 10 times louder than any other voice, that drowns out every other voice, that every time you look inside, you'll see me staring back at you, reminding you that you're always good enough, you're always loved, you're always accepted, forgiven for all wrongs, real or imagined, and you're never, ever, ever alone. Now, when you hear that at the conscious level, it's pretty moving. When you say that to somebody in a deep level trance, regressed to that little child, it's life-changing. Mm. It's life-changing. Because yeah. that, that mentor that you created is built of all those powerful, positive presuppositions we talked about earlier, we were talking about Gestalt and we were talking about uh, perspective, perceptual positions and, and, and chair therapy. It's the same nervous system. It's just a question of what direction are you utilizing those resources? Mm. I love your metaphor of the, the embryo that grows into a child, because something that helped me as a metaphor was thinking in the same way that I was once inside of a womb. And mm. once I've left all of those things inside there, that's, gone not yeah. just from memory from my actual reality it's not like that anymore and viewing my time in the cult as an extension of that womb process like for better or worse mm -hmm. that time is over there's no going back and also some of the things including people maybe family members friends that's no longer a part of my life but now that we're out we can take more and more responsibility for our own trajectory absolutely Absolutely. One of the best questions that I've ever come across that helps along those lines is as you look back on that time, what did you learn from that? What did it have to teach you? Mm. You know, and there's a, there's actually a technique. It's actually the second, the second stage of the identity by design process called special negativity clearing and special negativity clearing is a way to extract lessons that our neurology has created that are designed to keep us safe. And from its perspective, a lot of times safe is equal to stuck. Right. So um, and so what it what this allows us to do is it allows us to take those lessons from the experience so we can keep the lessons and let everything else go. And then we refile them in our neurological filing cabinet, which there's a, a concept we have called the proprioceptive grid, which is kind of a, a bridge between your interoceptive nervous system and your proprioceptive nervous system. Um, think of it like filing cabinets where you store certain kinds of information. If you move something from one filing cabinet to another, the nervous system recodes it as something different. Uh, closest analogy would be NLP submodalities, but I think there's actually a vibrational construct or reality to this that NLP doesn't recognize. Either way, it'll still work. Um, but the, the moment you extract that lesson and let everything else go, the unconscious mind says, okay, they've learned this. I don't have to keep having them relive it anymore to remind them not to do this shit again. Mm. And so now you, it frees you up to move forward because the unconscious mind believes you that you actually have the lesson in a place of safekeeping and you can do something different. Mm. Would you say then that the, the process of recovery, be it from a cult or any kind of subpar beginning point mm -hmm. is increasing our influence over our own selves, our, our agency within our own lives, 100%. and then allowing that to grow? 100%. And, and, some, and sometimes to do that, we need to go back to the youngest version of ourselves mm. that, that we can access and give it resources it didn't have then. Because once those resources, remember, the unconscious mind is far, everything that ever happened to you, as crazy and crappy as it was, is done. Right? The, you know, every experience you've ever had is done and you survive. The worst, the worst is over. Right. It, it, one way of thinking about it is this. Right. And this is something to tell people initially, especially when they're first coming in for therapy. Remember something. The very fact that you and I are sitting in this room able to have this conversation means you beat every single thing the world threw at you. If they had beaten you, you wouldn't be here to have this discussion. So in, whether you recognize it or not, you've already won. The rest is cleanup. Right. 
Uh, and one of the reasons we get traumatized is because the, the nervous system thinks it's going to die. Yeah. Right. That's, that's why we got traumatized in the first place. And at that moment where you hit that maximum uh, level of tolerance for traumatic violation, one of two, basically the nervous system shuts off as you hit one step beyond that. And then you're either dead or the trauma subsides and you, you, your consciousness comes back online. But that moment where the, the system turns off and then comes back on, everything is kind of wrapped like a, a, a virus, an antivirus quarantines of a file it can't quite get rid of, right? And it locks it somewhere on your hard drive, waiting for the next software upgrade to come and get rid of it, right? Well, we, we, we accumulate these things without ever going back and revisiting. And cults, from my perspective, are in the business of just keep adding more files until you dissociate from your core personality and you become hypnagogic and in order to survive, you adopt the belief systems of the society around you. Well, the core self is still there. It's just hiding. And, and, it's, and it's buried under this, this layer of traumatic stuff that we want to get rid of. And again, that's a lot of what we're going to be doing is getting rid of that, those, those trauma bubbles and things of that nature. But there, there's two different aspects to it. One is, is going to be eliminating the cause of the dissociation. The second is giving that person either back their core self with additions that they actually want that empower them so that as they're clearing out the trauma and giving a clear path, they're moving through a new version of their memories from a sense of safety, of self-agency, for lack of a better word, which a lot comes from installing that older, wiser mentor self, which in, in classical hypnosis, we call that informed child or informed adult. Um, but it, it's an actual segment of their personality that acts as a guide and a mentor that allows them to grow into that person and, and, and have better perspectives, uh, which results in expansion of, of what's possible for them. But I think it also allows them to uh, be willing to become more explorational, right? Otherwise, because if we just go in and we just remove the traumas, right, and we don't do anything to address the core self, well, that core self got sucked into that cult for a reason. There was a perceived lack or a need that that core self had that wasn't being met elsewhere. So if we can go back to that core self, give it what it needs, then it becomes inoculated against attempts to do so in the future by external agencies. And it has a strength of character uh, to say no if it realizes it's going in a direction that isn't, you know, it's been, you know, it, it, it recognizes potentially dangerous or, or trotting the same path if that makes any kind of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, something that I did when I first was in the process of leaving, I got straight into the pickup world by accident, would you believe? I, I, That's a cult in and of itself. I went, on, I went on Pirate Bay and I remembered watching The Secret. And uh -huh. I was like, there was a guy I liked on there. I liked what he had to say. And it was, um, it was uh, John DiMartini. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried to remember his name. So I typed that name into this, uh, uh, this download site, but it wasn't that name. It was David D'Angelo because I remembered the name wrong. And so mm -hmm. of course that opened up this whole rabbit hole. And soon what, what it turned into and what I realized it was not solving all the things you just mentioned. It wasn't going in and healing and becoming better from the inside out. It was very much just adding extra layers on mm -hmm. top and faking like you're attractive and faking like people should be around you. And that I, I left it shortly after realizing that, but even out of there in the broader personal development world, this fake it to make it idea is very popular and it's a kind of catchy quip. What you're saying is I'm understanding it is take that extra bit of time to go in and do the work so that you don't have to fake something. You're just becoming it organically. Mm -hmm. And for the time it takes now, it's going to save you time going forward. The faking it, it, it'll, it'll result in a much more stable sense of self. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean you're not going to screw up. You know, you're going to make, you're going to make good choices. You're going to make not so good choices, but the, your ability to realize that you're still okay, the bounce back from those, those times when you don't make the best choice, right? Uh, without being reliant on the, the blessings of, of some external agency. And here's the thing, to be human and to live in a society is to seek, whether you want to or not, acceptance by your community. It's hardwired into us. It's a survival thing. Right? It's a reptile, it's a reptilian process. So this need to be part of a community uh, 
we're always going to be looking for places where we fit, places where we will be accepted. But until we actually learn to accept ourselves, that vulnerability, that hole inside of us is always exploitable because there'll be people coming along and say, look at me. If you just do what I do, you can be this person too. And, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors, right? Um, but if we come at it with a sense of self that say, okay, this is working for, that has the ability to analyze the results we're producing, which I think is one of the, the best things I learned from NLP, which, and I learned a lot of good things from NLP, but one of the best questions that I learned as a byproduct of that training was, is this useful? Is this making my life better, adding value to my life, or isn't it, right? And it's a simple question, but it's profound because when you look at a belief system and you start to evaluate or, or, or a relationship and you ask that simple question, it forces you to deal with the truth, right? Do I feel better when I do this or don't I? Does it, make, does it give me more of the things I want for myself or doesn't it? And a lot of times people will try to rationalize. They know the answer is no, but they'll try to rationalize, right? And again, cult leaders and, and mind control experts know about that aspect of it. And so they build in. If you start to have these kinds of thoughts, it's a sign that you're being tempted and you need to do this to get out of it, right? So they'll build in these little um, fail safes, so to speak, mm. right? But again, when we go back and we install that before the very first memory, that, that sense of validation, that sense of always good enough, it's stronger than what's put in later mm. because it has that history, to, that, that history to it. One of, the thing, one of the techniques that we teach in our influence classes is called Three Magic Questions, which was originally designed as a, uh, a, uh, a profiling process and an attraction process for women to use on men, mm. right? I adapted it a little bit so everybody could use it. Turns out um, when, I was, when I was consulting to about a group of about 35 different um, personal injury attorneys, they took this three magic questions protocol and started using it on juries, started winning case after case after case, because it didn't matter who got picked for the jury, they all fell in love with the prosecutor or the, or the, defense, the defense attorney. Be that as it may, um, one, of the, one of the pieces of it is tapping into early positive childhood experiences, right? And what happens is a byproduct of that, when you start asking somebody about their early positive childhood experiences and you use their words to discuss it with them, you actually indirectly install yourself and connect yourself to that memory. So there's this time distortion process that happens where you feel like you've known this person, that person feels like they've known you from that memory forward. Mm -hmm. So when we do the same thing in identity work and we, we, we go back to that core self, that, that embryonic self, and actually in identity by design, we actually go even further to the spiritual self, which makes it even more powerful. But, um, when you give them that, you have, you know, if, let's say you, you didn't get indoctrinated until you're in your teens. Well, you have 15, 20 years of this voice getting uh, compounded and reinforced and guiding you effectively. So it becomes much harder for the subsequent programming from that leader to impact you quite so much. It, it installs the possibility of choice. Hmm. I think what's, what's very powerful is that in... NLP jargon, the the logical levels, right? You're you're targeting it right at the the level of identity and beliefs and values, and, and you're doing the work there. Yes. Bef before going to the external of well, you know, behaviors. Yeah. What are you going to try? You're going to do this thing. Mm -hmm. If you look at the identity by design silo, which I can pull up a schematic if you want to see it, but um, mm -hmm. one of the, the there's there's seven stages to it. it. Starts with general negativity, specialized negativity default driver states, voice of authority, or changing internal dialogue, uh, what they call trans, uh, temporal editing, which is where we sanitize all the negative energy from your past. This is where we actually take all of your negative events, remove them from your, your time filter, sanitize them of all the, en the negative energy, rebuild that energy into your positive memories and put them back in your time filter, and then run you through it multiple times until it locks in, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's really powerful, uh, but what happens is on and I, I open loop myself. Um, what was I talking about before I went into the? Um, just just before you said that, I, I mentioned about the logical levels and doing. Okay, the, yes. Uh, so when you jump back, when you jump back to before that very first memory, you're you're at you're 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 doing exactly what you described. We're actually installing things at the identity level, 
And then what we do is that, you know, one of the next phases is we actually take it before you took on a body. And that takes you from the identity level. And depending on which system of, of belief structure you're looking at from NLP, identity is either the pinnacle or the right one directly above it is the transpersonal or the spiritual level. So we take it from an identity level, then we move that same set of filters enhanced to the spiritual level. And now it controls everything from the top down because they, it, it does actually function in a very hierarchical way. And the interesting, and, and one of the cool things that's remarkably consistent, regardless of what level of hierarchy of beliefs we're talking about, whether we're talking about the transpersonal, the spiritual, the criterion values, the um, capabilities level, all the way down to the environmental level, all beliefs are built exactly the same way. They're built of the same stuff. So the ability to change a belief or the ability to modify a belief isn't actually that any, any more difficult uh, at the environmental level or the transpersonal level once you understand how to access the dashboard that allows you to rewrite that code. It's accessing the dashboard that most people have the trouble with. And to do that, it's almost always useful to have somebody guiding you through it. We do have a training where we actually teach people to do it to themselves. It's called Secrets of Personality Transformation, where they do this entire thing as a self-work process. Mm -hmm. um, and so it becomes very, very powerful for them. But what happens is, again, we, we're still utilizing the NLP approach to the hierarchy of beliefs, but we're doing it in a more user-friendly, visceral way. Because one of the things that, that we see over and over and over again is that it's the body feelings, the soma, that lets you know when you've actually got transformation. It's not that you just have this cognitive perspective shift. It's that there's a corresponding feelings to shift in the body that lets you know that, that those filters have changed. Because it's the, it's the feelings that activate your reticular activating system that... Uh, transform or, or modify your perceptual filters about the way the world is. So the minute you affect a feeling shift, all the neurology lines up to make that the new reality, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, right. perfect sense. <clears throat> right. So, um, so yeah, so we take you through the, the, you know, removing all, sanitizing the negative events from your past, rebuilding the positive resource states, uh, installing a core self that has all that foreknowledge so it knows what to think and do about those things instead. Then we move that to your spiritual level. And then finally comes what we call the generative stage. This is where we ask people, okay, you have a core self. What else would you like to have? You know, think about the you know, pinstriping the car or something like that. Are there, are there people whose qualities, characteristics, traits, and attributes that you admire that you'd like more of for yourself? Now that you have an engine that will run autonomously, what would you like to add to it? And now we have a process called magic. Our process is called magic circle. It's a form of deep trans identification. Uh, the Russians did a, some, a, a tremendous amount of research uh, into this phenomenon. They called it the Rykov effect. Um, and we asked people, what, what do you want more of? What do you, what, what traits or skills or talents or perceptions would you like to, to have grow inside of this new you that you've created? And they go and they, there's a process that they go through where they create these very rich avatars of the aspects of people that they want. And then they spend time integrating that. And so it becomes a much, a much more customized sense of self and identity that moves you in the direction of what you want instead of what people wanted you to have. Mm. Yeah, the, this process sounds very uh, comprehensive. It's, it's like hitting all the different levels that people can need in recovering and rebuilding. Yeah, uh, it, ironically, ironically, this particular seven stage process started, this is again from my Darth Snyder days, started as an inner game process for aspiring pickup artists. Yeah. And what happened was when we started deploying this, we started moving people through this process, the scope of the change that these people experienced went it went into their work life, it went into their family life, it went every it, everything changed. And we realized, you know, we were looking for gold, we struck oil. Mm -hmm. And so we took this process and we just took it into the clinic and people just started having massive life-changing transformations. And then we said, well, what if people want to do this for themselves? And we created a, a three-day training for that. But I'm not here to, I'm not here to pimp any of that, that stuff. It's just when we talk about identity, um, there's so many parts to it, right? And there's so many different ways 
that we can begin to, to modify an identity. But the first thing that has to happen is we need to understand that we don't have one identity. Our identity and the, or think, well, if, you, if you wanna think, if you wanna adopt the idea that we have one identity, then think of the identity as a jewel with different facets. And depending on the environment and context that you're in, you're shining light through one facet or another, right? It's, it's all a facet of a core, but the one you show to the world at any given moment, if you were in Chase's world, you, you know, Chase Hughes's world, you'd call them masks for lack of a better word. Um, but the, the Soviets uh, in, their, in their system of autogenic training that they ran all their athletes through, they came up with, they, they discovered this concept, they called them co-personalities, that you have different identities in different contexts. And some of them correspond to classic Jungian archetypes and others don't. You know, you, have, you may have the, the, the lying archetype inside of you. You may have the uh, lazy archetype, the, the, the gluttonous archetype right next to the warrior archetype and the mother archetype or... And so what they discovered was that each of these co-personalities or these subcells, the dominance that they had at any given moment was based almost exclusively on the amount of energy being funneled to it by the subconscious mind. And so they created a, a process where using autogenics or if they were guided, they would go into, the, we call it the garden in our system, but they would go into this garden and they would see all these effigies of these various co-personalities or subcells. And as an act of intention and an act of will, they would walk up to the co-personality, let's say it was um, the fearful co-personality. And, if, you know, the relative size of this one was huge compared to maybe the, 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 the courage personality or the uh, explorer, explorer personality. They would walk up and they would, I, we, I use a power cord metaphor, pull the plug, literally, on that particular cell. And they would see it power down, shrink down, get smaller. And they consciously, they deliberately walk over to this, the part of themselves they wanted to be more dominant and plug that power into them, watch that one get bigger and stronger um, and more dominant in their personality. And when we started running people through that process, they came out like Superman. Uh, in fact, you can see them on your YouTube channel. There's one or two, uh, I think that's called uh, How to Eliminate Emotional Pain in Seven Minutes or Less. You'll see me run a, a young lady through this, this garden process. And I added a few bells and whistles because I'm a Marvel superhero fan and stuff like that. But, um, but it's actually derived from the, the system of autogenics that the Soviets used back in the 70s to sweep the Olympics. It's, it's ver, you know, a verbatim, mechanically, it's a verbatim process uh, that their winning athletes use. What's so encouraging about this is that many people who grew up in a cult or spent time in one, they, they feel that they're crippled for life because of it. Um, and there's this feeling of, well, I'll never be successful. I'll never have a relationship where someone understands me or I can connect properly. I'll always have this fear of ab abandonment mm -hmm. and realizing that that past doesn't have to be a life sentence. And it's not just a case of waiting for time to heal you. One exactly. I always say time was stolen from you. Let's get effective and mm -hmm. be as effective as, pos as possible without cutting corners and what you're describing here is that, that there are systems and ways of integrating this. So we don't have to lug around this backpack full of shite for mm -hmm. decades. You can actually make yeah. things better. One of the most important things that, that I tell my clients and I tell my students when they think about, because one of the things I get so often um, during trainings, especially, is they come up to me and the guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, ladies in their 60s, and they go, you know, I wish I'd learned this 40 years ago. Mm. You know, and I say, you weren't ready. Right. But what's but what's below that is they're vilifying themselves and, and making themselves wrong. And one of the yeah. things that I, I tell them, and it's really true, no experience you've ever had is wasted. Mm. You know, hindsight is always 2020, but there were things that that those experiences taught you that you couldn't have learned any other way. Things that you may think of as a, as a limiter now will become a resource for you in the future. You know, the classic bully kid who grows up to inspire and empower others couldn't have become that person unless they went through those experiences. Yes, they sucked at the time. They were traumatic at the time, but there were things that those experiences allowed them to learn that they couldn't have learned any other way that they can use. And so I think the, one of the biggest things, and people are always beating themselves up 
they're, they're you know, again, because they have that shitty voice in their head that's telling them that, that they made a bad decision or what have you. And it's not that bad shit didn't happen. It's not that that um, those things didn't happen or, or, or you would ever allow them to happen again. But there are things that are positive takeaways. And once you sort through those, and a lot of times in order to sort through those, you gotta, you gotta kind of relive some of the bad shit to find it or, or to vent the emotional charge, which people equate with reliving it. We don't actually have to relive a lot of the crap we went through to eliminate it, right? But we do need to vent the emotional charges connected to that. And so, uh, and there's ways that you can do that without having to relive, like in classical regression, we have to relive the same event over and over and over again until you've zeroed out the emotional charge, which by the way, works extremely well when it's done by a highly competent practitioner. But there's ways to do it now, more modern ways of how we understand the nervous system where you only have to find the moment that trauma was encoded and you never have to go any further into the event. And you can, you can eliminate it just as effectively in many cases from the neurology. But there has to be a venting of the emotion uh, connected to that experience because the, 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 the accumulated emotional energy will actually prevent the discovery of the points that allow a perspective shift to happen. It's like a tire or a hose. Like best, I guess one of the best um, metaphors that comes to mind is think about a fire hose that has this massive amount of pressure going through it. Right. And if you try to bend that hose or make it do what you want, there's a lot of there's a massive amount of resistance. Right. But if you if you decrease the water pressure, the hose becomes very malleable. Right. The same way that it's kind of the same way that emotional energy, emotional charges work in, the, in terms of the nervous system. The more of an emotional charge an experience has connected to it, the, the less plastic it becomes, the more like a fog or an obfuscatory field. Think of the, you know, you, the person having the experiences here, there's this emotional density and behind it is information that the person needs, the unconscious mind or the conscious mind needs to reprocess and gain a perspective shift. Until we clear that emotional charge, they can't get to that information, right? So old school hypnosis or old school regression, we're gonna vent that emotional charge by having you move through it, right? Uh, in holographic memory resolution, we're gonna come find that moment of encoding. We're gonna give you, what do you want instead? You're gonna generate an alternate reality that has a feeling connected to it that will neutralize this and then you can move through it. So there's lots of different ways to get to that emotional charge and, res and relieve it so we can get to the information behind it. And, and so again, lots of ways to get there. It all depends on you know, what level of input or instruction the person is responding to, but the person's always in control of it. They're just being guided. And, and I think people need that more than anything else. And that's why I, you know, over and over and over again, I see the two, the two elements that need to be there. You need to vent the emotional traumas and charges, but you also need to reinforce that core self by giving it that informed version. And I really, I've seen just miraculous things happen just from in installing that new core strengthener, that mentor, that guided self. Uh, they can go through anything after that because there's only one agency in the universe that can always be there for that person. And that's the person themselves, right? And, and when you give that to them, um, they're, they're on the fast track to recovery and becoming, you know, creating a really powerful life for themselves. Yeah. And that's not just a, a normal life. No, that's not just I'm going to fit in with all the neighbors on my street. That's an extraordinary life because most people don't wake up to the lies that they've bought into. No, no, it's 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 it, it gives them the foundation to create an extraordinary life. It's a choice now that they have, whereas before they didn't have one. They see when they seated that core self or that permission to that external agency, they gave up their freedom of choice. They, you know, they never actually lost it, but they were convinced they lost it. And because they were convinced they lost it, functionally, they did. Right. Um, but when you give it back to them and you give them that sense of safety as well, now they become far more willing to explore possibilities. And then once you can start exploring possibilities, you can decide what's worth keeping and what's worth letting go of. Whereas before you didn't have that choice. My, my job in this life is to give people choice. And the only way to give people choice is to give them awareness, mm. right? And so we guide them through processes that allow them to become progressively more self-aware so that they can make better choices. And we give them the tools to actualize those choices. 
speaking about making great choices, you, you, you do a lot of trainings as well, don't you? So, so it's not just online, but in person where possible. And there's, there are a ton of ways to learn from you. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you doing at the moment? What, what do you have on the horizon where people can hear more and learn more from you? Okay. Well, we have a brand new website that uh, my amazing uh, public relations and producer person, Alma, has uh, guided us in creating. It's called davidsnydernlp.com. And we've divided the core, the core areas that we train and teach people in into five or six different ones. You can choose the, the, the page and the content that is uh, directly relevant to you. Uh, we have an events calendar uh, coming up um, in, let me go back, let me, let me pull up my events calendar really quick so I don't give you wrong information. Um, pardon me, I have a very sensitive microphone that uh, hears every, every keystroke I make. Let's see here. I am Dr. David Snyder. Let's not do that. Okay. Um, okay. Um, well, uh, October 21st, we have a, a, a program we call Killer Influence Defense Against the Dark Arts. And this is actually a, a course on how to detect people who are going to try and control you. Uh, it, it's about how to deal with narcissists, sociopaths, other types of influence predators. Um, it's a very powerful course. It's October 6th through the 9th. Uh, the thing that we have a uh, real world regression hypnosis skills, we talked about that as the next level to uh, the programs that we, you know, we, we were talking largely about the identity work that we've been doing. There's another level we call that real world regression. Um, October, this is November 10th through the 14th. The one that I think many of your, your, your subscribers might be interested in, um, if it's, if it's possible, and we, I think we may, we may offer a virtual option, it's called the Self-Mastery Supercharger. Remember I said that we took the Identity by Design silo and we, we created a three-day self-work process. We call that the Self-Mastery Supercharger, and sometimes we call it Secrets of Personality Transformation. We have one of those coming up um, January 13th through the 15th. Uh, we'll be doing it live in Las Vegas. Um, and if enough people are interested, um, we will open up a streaming option so you can actually do the work. We actually have people who work with you online. So you're actually, you're actually watching me teach. And then we have uh, instructors who actually set up breakout rooms for you, guide you through the processes, proctor you, mentor you, make sure you get the reps in. And so the way that works is for the first two days, we teach you to do this identity by design process as if you're going to be a therapist. So you're, you're going to be getting it done to you. You're going to be doing it with other people, clearing up actual problems and building up that core personality. On the third day, what we do is we transition to self-directed trance work where you can go through this entire seven stage process in as little as seven minutes. Uh, and we actually have a video course where you actually see somebody doing that. They actually go through this entire, um, from soup to nuts, general negativity, special negativity, default driver states, and changing internal dialogue, temporal editing, um, and magic frame or deep trance identification in seven and a half minutes. Uh, we had one lady at, at HypnoThoughts, she was a hypnosis trainer, she wanted to show off, she did it in three and a half minutes, but we'll do the seven and a half minute thing. But that I think for, for those of you who are, are struggling with getting your identities in line, bolstering up that core self and really kind of customizing the person you want to be instead of the person that society or these organizations that you got indoctrinated into conspired to make you, I think for most of you, that will be probably the, the biggest, most important piece to that. There's another program we call Golden Path. And one of the, 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 and the way Golden Path works in synergy with identity by design is that many people come out and they go, I know I'm meant to do something special. I know there's a purpose for my life. I just got to find out what that is. And Golden Path is all about evaluating the, your, your history. Uh, there's, a lot, there's more of a spiritual aspect to it. It's, there's no course for it in terms of something you can buy. It's done with a very small group, and we basically take you and we review and audit your life. We, we, we do Chinese face reading, which is very accurate, stunningly accurate in terms of diagnosing talents, personality, and temperament. It's really cool. And then we look at pictures from your life, and we, using the identity by design techniques, we, we show you a, a direction that you may not have been aware of, because people are, are largely unaware of their own patterns until somebody points them out. We look at the things that light you up, that bring more of your core self, light you up inside out. And we help you on that third day to remove the blocks to your success, get rid of the limiting beliefs and install that trajectory. Golden Path is not about a job. It's about a direction for your life to take that leads to the best version of yourself that you wanna have. Not that I want you to have, 
or your brother wants you to have, or your mother wants you to have, or your church wants you to have, the life you want to have based on your innate talents, uh, the things that light you up, your values, the things you want to embrace, things of that nature. But really the, the, the foundations start with the Identity by Design silo, which um, the, the next one we've got coming up is going to be um, in January 13th through the 15th. Um, and I think that's probably going to be people the biggest bang for your buck. If you decide that you want to go deeper and help other people, then we have trainings and things available for that. But yeah. uh, for most of us, you know, I always tell my students, and, and I, I'm, I don't know if you tell this to your subscribers or your students, but I always tell people, you're no good to the world broke. You're no good to the world disempowered. You're no good to the world unhealthy or sick. So there's an old Buddhist saying, live half for others, half for yourself. I want you to flip that around. I want you to live for yourself first and then for others, because the more you have personally, emotionally, financially, the more your ability to share and help and reach out and make a difference in the lives of others um, yeah. exponentially grows. And that's inversely, and that's inversely uh, inverse to what most of the cults and the, these organizations out there give to the organization and you'll receive your rewards in heaven or you'll, you'll, you'll expiate your bad karma. Fuck that. Right. Make yourself strong. Make your life everything you want it to be. Empower yourself physically, financially, emotionally. And now go out into the world and share your abundance to the degree that you want to and you, des you desire to rather than how you feel forced to. And, and so I think that if, if there's any other takeaway, build yourself first and then decide what world you want to live in and just make yeah. it. Yeah, that's an awesome point to end it on. I would love to pick your brain for more hours because I'm just in geek heaven over here. But, <laughs> but that's a, a great point to end it. I'm really grateful for the 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 time you you've taken and also just the value. This is this has been action packed roller coaster of the best kinds. As well, I sincerely I sincerely hope that that it's it, people find it useful and and helpful. You know Definitely. whether you, whether you train with me or you find somebody else who can do these things. You know, uh, you know, a lot of good people, John. So, you know, as long as people are, are able to get the help, then then my purpose is served. Yeah, no, this has been awesome. So David Snyder, NLP.com is the place. NLP.com, correct. Yes. Brilliant. And uh, I'll, I'll share the links in the podcast description and everything. So everyone can come and find you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward. And uh, by the way, uh, I will. I'm obviously I asked for permission to record this. But uh, if it's okay with you, when after you've released your version, if yeah. I can, uh, I have a podcast section on my website, and I'd be happy to post this on my website as well with a link back to your site and, and your other podcasts. If that's yeah, that'll be incredible. Amazing, awesome! Thanks so much. My pleasure, brother. All right. Oh, you've got the you've got the press uh, press stop.